Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm here with my very dear friend and wonderful colleague, Christine Heath. Aloha. Chris is in Hawaii. I'm in Florida, and we're together uh, to bring you another edition of our podcast. So today we're going to talk about the natural sort of human habit of searching for answers and searching here, searching there, looking somewhere, looking to the expert, looking to find someone that knows something. And I just remember this, uh, my friend and Chris's friend and our friend, George Pransky, uh, told this story one time in a group when I was years ago, back in the early 90s. And, um, and it just cracked me up. And every time I think about it, I think it is the quintessential searching story. And here's how the story goes. This guy had been a big time searcher his whole life and he'd gone to you know, all these, he's gone to the ashrams and he's gone to Nepal and he's meditated and he's sat in hammocks in Mexico and he's been all over the world searching for wise people and he still doesn't know the meaning of life. And he's telling his friend, you know, I, I, I've tried and tried. I've gone everywhere I can think to go. I've been to groups. I've been to, you know, places. I've been to people and I still don't know the meaning of life. And his friend says to him, I tell you what, you know, in the Rocky Mountains, there's this very, very difficult peak. But if you can climb that peak and you can get to the top, there's an old guy up there and people say that he knows the meaning of life. But very few people have ever been able to get that far. So this guy is rugged and he's been, you know, traveling his whole life. He says, I can do it. He climbs the mountain. It's arduous and he, it takes him a long time. He gets to the top. And sure enough, there's a guy sitting there cross-legged at the top of the mountain. And the guy says, oh, thank God you're here. He said, I've been looking and looking and people tell me that, that you're, the, you're the person that can finally answer the question, what is the meaning of life? So the old man kind of looks at him and then he says to him, life is like a barrel. And the guy's waiting for the rest of it. The guy says, that's it? And the guy says, yeah, life is like a barrel. And this man says, life is like a barrel. You mean that? Life is like a barrel? And the old guy says, you mean it isn't like a barrel? (laughs) (laughs) And that's to me the ultimate searching story. I love that story because that's how it is. You know, we always think somebody else has the answer. And then we find out that we're all searchers in our own hearts. You know, nobody has the answer. The answer is inside each one of us. But, you know, you go and say, well, this this group can fix me or that person can fix me. But the fact is, you know, nobody's broken. And uh, life is the same for all of us. You know, we have questions and we have to look inside for the answers. But I, I love that story. So if you want to retell it, just be sure to be attributed to George Pransky and not to me because I got it from him. Anyway, I, I find this all the time, and I think Chris and I were talking about this. We see this in our program that we do where people will say, well, you know, I, I go to this group, you know, the a mother's group or a mother's with 
problem children's group or a person in a disease group that's about a person suffering from certain types of things or a couples group or a uh, lesbian couples group or, a, you know, a gay men's group or whatever. And there are, I mean, there's zillion Facebook groups. There's a Facebook group for everything. There's, you know, active groups for everything. There's people that specialize that, you know, the psychics that advertise, you know, bring us your problems and we'll give you the answers. And people really believe that they're going to find, you know, I just have to find the right group or the right person and they'll finally get their answer. But what that does is it gets people going in their minds a million different ways. You know, you think, oh my gosh, I tried that. That didn't work. So well, this isn't different enough from that, so I better try this other thing. Or you go to groups and you share problems and everybody, you start thinking, oh, gosh, I've got that problem too. I didn't even realize that that was a problem until this person brought it up in group. And the next thing you know, your searching is creating an incredible torrent of thinking in your mind. Like thinking, 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 what is the exact problem? How, who has the answer? Where should I go? And in the principles, we're, we're saying, stop, just stop that. Stop and be, listen. You're not listening to, you don't need to listen to all these people or all these so-called experts or all these groups. I mean, it's fine for the companionship, but you're not going to find the answer because the answer is inside of us. And the answer is going to be from your own wisdom. And wisdom emerges in the stillness, as Sid always said, in the stillness of our own minds. So the busier we keep ourselves trying to figure things out, the less access we have to the wisdom that would have the answer we need. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really interesting to me. I think in the field of psychology, um, at least a, a lot of therapists that I know will go off to ashrams in India or go study with a Maharishi, somebody or other. And, and like somehow they're, they have more wisdom than they do. And they're, they're searching, right? Like they're looking for peace of mind. And so when you're looking for peace of mind and you're trying to help your clients find peace of mind, good luck. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of the other piece with that is that it, when we're unhappy, when we're stressed, we know, I mean, this is the good part. We know that something's missing. We just don't realize that our training is sending us in the wrong direction. So the illusion that thought creates is that the outside world needs to be fixed. So it also looks like the outside world is a place of a good feeling. So if I could find somebody out there who knows what I need in here, then I'll be happy. So people read books. There's, I mean, how many million self-help books are there? And, and there's like 400 different schools of thought, I think, in psychology now. Last time I checked, there was like close to 400, probably Mm -hmm. over 400 now. Um, Because people just keep searching for some reason why people are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And, And so when, when they try things, they try different things. It doesn't work. It really creates a hopelessness in people. Because they're just looking in the wrong place. And it doesn't matter how, how far you travel, how much money you spend, who you go listen to. If you're not listening, then, you know, it's, you're not going to hear anything. You know, it's like, it just cracks me up because, 
you know, again, last time we were talking about this, but I was studying with these psychics and this woman came from Chicago and she was a very well-known psychic. And so I made an appointment with her and I went to see her and she was, the poor woman had hives. And so she was sitting there itching herself. She had hives all over her body and she's going to give me this reading, right? So she, she gives me this reading and tells me that basically I was going to die when I was 42 because I had a short lifeline. And, and, and like, thank God I learned the principles in between because um, that what got in my head, like, oh, I'm going to die really early. Well, as you know, I'm old now, so that didn't happen. But, um, you know, there, there's a way that it seemed like she would have some knowledge of my future as if my future was set in granite somewhere rather than the result of whatever, you know, things I choose to do moment to moment. And it seemed like because these people, I mean, sometimes I think people have the ability to tap into thought at at different levels. And so they can tell you they're better at telling you about your past, but it's the past as you remember it. So if your mother was there, they might disagree with it. (laughs) She might disagree with it. Not like that. Right. Right. But it, it's, it's this obsession we have with ourselves that we have to fix ourselves. We have to find this wisdom. We have to look for something to fix us rather than seeing that the fix is in kind of when we do that. Like you can't fix yourself by looking to somebody else. And people will do that with therapists, right? They think the therapist is going to fix me. So they come to a session and they want me to fix them. And if I could do that, I had to fix the world by now. And we would not be in the mess we're in. Right. Right? So nobody can fix you. There's nobody out there that has better wisdom for you than you. But you have to listen. And you have to get out of your little pea brain. You know, you have to get out of all the thoughts you've already thought to hear something new. And when people settle down and they get quiet, like maybe they're on vacation they're, you know, they're sitting by the ocean, just really in a reflective state of mind, and they're quiet, and suddenly new thoughts come to them. That's where wisdom comes from. And wisdom sometimes comes blaring, like you can be totally nuts in your head going a million miles an hour, and in your head comes, don't go that direction. And you're like, what is that? I don't know what that is, man. I, I got to keep going. And then you go that direction. Things don't go well, and you go, oh, I, I knew I shouldn't have gone that direction. Yeah. So it's the simplicity. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, most people have had that experience where they look back at something they wish they hadn't done, and yeah. they heard that little voice in their head before they did it. I think everybody's had that experience, especially saying things. Like, I knew I shouldn't have said that, you know, because that little, that little monitor comes in your head and goes, don't say that. And then you do it anyway because you're little – you know, your ego comes in and goes, I've got a right to say this. I have a right to tell you what I think about you. And then you do, and then you discover that your whole idea was based on false information. It's kind of like the, the, the vaccine, I think, today is like people are going to discover that they're, all of their distraught over this was based on false information. So, you know, it's like we're tricked by our thoughts. That's, that's what it is. We're just tricked by our thoughts. And we think that somehow the answer for us is in the world. It's not in the world. It's in our own hearts. 
It's in our own wisdom. It's inside of us. And when, but when you don't know that and you're unhappy, man, you really, there's a part of you that knows you don't have to be unhappy, right? So you're going to go listen to somebody, search for somebody instead of really getting quiet and trusting yourself, which is interesting because um, we were working with this person and they were um, distraught about the principles and it doesn't work for me, blah, 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 blah. And then she, she said that, she said, well, I, I got, went to stay with my friend or, and came back and decided I'd take medication and do something else. And I know that's bad, but I just decided to do that. And we kind of laughed and said, no, that's exactly what you should be doing. You have to listen to yourself and do what's right for you. So she didn't realize that she was actually doing it because it didn't come in the form that she thought it was going to come in. You know, she was here, you know, she, a lot of times when people listen to the three principles, people in the three principles, they talk about what amazing, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, transformational experience they had and how their life totally changed and it's never been the same since blah 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 but everybody doesn't change like that it, it, it does happen sooner or later that you get that that insight but if you're looking for that because you heard that happened to somebody else you're again outside looking at the outside world rather than seeing like this is just how it works for me you know like everybody's different you know it's funny that people people uh, would naturally when we talk like this sometimes people raise the question well you're always telling us to listen to sid tapes why do you do that if you're not if you don't have to look to somebody else for the answers well if you listen to sid tapes he says don't listen to my words over and over again it's not about the words it's about the feeling and what sid would do is go he said the same words over and over again it's a very simple he kept it very simple about the principles but he came from such a gorgeous feeling and there was so much depth and power in that the love that he felt for the people that people he didn't he hated to see people hurting, and uh, that's what people get from it. And I know that I, I remember because when I first got involved in the principles, I was running a medical practice management business, and Bill Pettit was my client. That's how I learned about the principles. And he invited me over to his office. He said, "You know, Sid Banks is coming to visit us," and. And um, I've been talking to you about Sid Banks and everything. If you want to come, he's going to talk to my staff this afternoon. And you're welcome to sit in. I think of you as part of our staff, you know, because we're working together on our practice. And so I, I said, oh, I'd love to do that. So I went over there. And I was sitting way in the back because I, I didn't want to intrude. And I was kind of a visitor. And Sid had already started speaking when I got there. So I kind of sneaked in and sat in the back. And so he didn't even know who I was. He had no idea what I did. He probably didn't even notice me. And I listened for about an hour. And then after he finished speaking, those people who knew him were all gathered around him. And I just kind of crept out the back door. And um, when I got to the parking lot, I had this idea that I really needed to deal with this one client who was in the building next to the building I was in at the time it was right next to where Bill's office was. So I just drove through the parking lot, parked in front of his building, went up to his office and fired him as a client. And in the nicest way I could, I just went up and I said, you know, our contract says that either party can end it with three weeks notice and I'm going to give you a month's notice, but I'm going to ask that you find another way to manage your practice. We don't want to work with you anymore. And he was infuriated. 
And, you know, he called me names. He screamed at me. He told me he was going to ruin my reputation in the community, that he was going to destroy me and everything. And I said, well, I'll, I'll have my lawyer give your lawyer a call. And I just left. And I went back to the office and I told my staff and they freaked out. But I knew it was the right thing to do because this guy was extremely nasty, extremely nasty. He was nasty to my clients. He was to my other clients. He was nasty to my staff. He was rarely nasty to me because I was the CEO. He was interested in power, but he he just was he was just a person that was very, very uh, he was always in trouble. But because he was always in trouble, he was a big part of our revenue because we were always fixing things for him. And I just thought this is wrong. You, the whole reason you go into business is you don't need to deal with people that are going to mistreat your staff. You know, you can choose your own people. So I told the staff, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I know it's going to be fine. I just feel it in my heart. And they felt, you know, okay about it. They were going to trust me. And I went home and I told my husband and he was infuriated, you know, because his client represented a big portion of our revenue. He says, how are you going to replace that revenue? I said, I don't know. But I just feel like it was the right thing to do. I'm very comfortable with it. So I called Bill Pettit the next day to tell him. I said, I don't know what happened, but after I left that meeting, I fired this client and Bill just started laughing. And he said, yeah. He said, well, I'm glad you came over to listen to Sid. And I said, what the hell does Sid have to do with it? (laughs) And Bill just laughed. And he said, oh, I don't know. And he just hung up the phone, you know. So so I was a long time later when I was telling Sid the story and Sid laughed. And he said, and I said, I don't know, Sid. Bill seems to think it had something to do with me sitting in your group, but you weren't talking about business or, you know, you were talking, I didn't even know, I didn't even understand what you were talking about at the time. And since then I told you, it's not the words, it's not the words, it's the feeling, dearie. And what happened was I realized now in retrospect, I calmed down and I saw the toxicity of that situation, that it was really hurting people that worked for me and it was, wasn't worth it. And what happened is it worked out fine because the medical community, nobody liked him. Everybody thought he was terrible. The people were judging me for having him as a client. And when the word got out that I had fired him as a client and he spread the word, he told everybody because he was going to ruin me. I got all these new clients. (laughs) Perfectly. And And the worst part about it is a couple of years later, he called me. And he said, uh, you know, do you have a minute? He said, I'm sure you don't want to talk to me, but I just want to tell you something. And I said, okay. And he told me he was going to close his practice and go to a physician rehab program. And, and I said, what? And he said, well, I thought you knew. And I said, knew what? And he said that I had a cocaine habit. This man, <laughs> he was a surgeon. And he was... And I did not know. And see, he thought that I found that out somehow and that that's why I fired him as a client. And he was insecure and terrified, which is why he was so angry. And and so it, it, it worked on him, you know, that someone in the community that was doing okay and was working in the medical community knew this. And he had managed to keep it a secret for so long that finally he dealt with it. It was very interesting. So I saw something I didn't even know I saw. That's how powerful this is when you really quiet down. And wisdom will always come to you out of that stillness 
when you're not looking for anything. I didn't go over there to listen to Sid to get an answer to anything. I just wondered who he was. You know, I was curious because everybody was always talking about him. I didn't really understand what he said. I came late and left early. And, but it affected me because I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't searching. And I just sat there and the feeling in the room, as I recall now, was really lovely. It was very quiet. It was the end of the day. And I just calmed down enough to see something important. And I, it was close enough that I didn't have time to think about it. I had only had to drive across the parking lot. <laughs> and so I didn't, you know, go into my head and start trying to say, well, why would I want to do a thing like that? That probably doesn't make sense. I didn't even get to that point. I was still in that state where it just, it just made sense to me. And I felt very strongly that I should do it. And that to me is like the ultimate story of why searching doesn't work. Because I had been a person as a business person that was always going to business seminars and client relations seminars and all those things before I got into the principles. And I was always looking for answers at these seminars. And this is, they would have never taught you this, you know, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a seminar answer. That was wisdom. That's amazing. Isn't it? How, when your mind clears, even just a little bit, yeah, how much better you can do your life. And, the point of searching is you're trying to get rid of feeling bad. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, there's a part of you that knows there's more to life than this. Mm-hmm. And so we go searching for the answer, like the searching for the Holy Grail. You know, it's like you're looking for it outside of yourself. and You, you can't find it that way. It's it, it's. And there is not something to find. That's the other thing. Like there isn't an answer there. It's the answer is that there is no answer that you're okay the way you are. And it's just thought. It's just the nature of thought and you're thinking and doing this. And once you wake up to that, you, you stop searching. Like had somebody say, have, have you gone to the, any training on this yet? I said, no. Mm-hmm. They said, well, you know, it's the new thing. And I said, I don't, I never even heard of it, but why would I, why would I look for it? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, it's the new way of helping people. And I said, well, tell me about it. So she tells me about it. And, and like they have a piece of what we talk about, right? There's something about, uh, I forget what it's called. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's, um, it, it was like looking at um, how to be in a more positive feeling mm-hmm. and um, um, seeing how to, um, uh, to, to change it with some technique. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting because you want to like be, be looking for what you don't know in yourself rather than looking to know. There's no answers out there. They're all inside of you. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the thing is, when, when you have a really powerful experience of your own wisdom, even if you don't realize what it really is at the time, it is so qualitatively different from getting an answer from someone else and trying to adjust it into your thinking yeah, and yeah, yeah. your life. The, your, your intellect is just not going to provide you with a feeling, a state of being. And that's what you're looking for. Right. Okay, we're about time. We'll see you next week. Come join us with the program if you're interested in more. Um, We'd love to see, especially if you're a therapist or you're working as a coach or in some way like that. We we really uh, are interested in helping people. So come join us. Aloha. Bye-bye. 
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 